Hi, welcome back to another episode of Oral Max Facts. Today, Dr. Patel and I are going to go over dental alveolar mock board review case in which I will be cross-examined. Hope that uh, you guys enjoy and find this informative. So we're trying to bring you something different. We figured, you know, since Miriam's getting ready to take her oral boards, we just uh, do a little bit of mock board type questions that could be helpful for those they're going to be taking boards. Usually the cases are about 12 minutes long. You go through a case scenario, you go through assessment, planning, treatment, and usually they'll end with some sort of complication that you have to tackle in the end. Um, the goal is to get to the complication part at least, and you know you've covered the entire case. Okay, so we'll put Miriam on hot seat now. Very brave to do this. So our first case is a 50-year-old male that presents to your office saying he wants implants. He does not have any past medical history and money is not a concern. I'm going to show you his clinical photos. Mm -hmm. Okay, what can you tell me about his smile line? I would say he has a low smile line because I don't see too much gingiva. And uh, regarding his intraoral pictures that I see here, I can appreciate that he has uh, multiple cervical caries and fractured teeth as well as erythematous gingiva. Okay. What are some of the positives and negatives about his clinical condition here? The negatives uh, include collapse of, uh, co collapse of interaltral space on the left side, as um, as well as evidence of periodontal disease, illustrated by like hyperplasia of the gingiva and plaque accumulations. Overall, he has a terminal dentition, so I think that's also a very is a negative. So he will need a comprehensive dental alveolar uh, treatment planning. Okay, any positives? His vertical height is maintained uh, with his. Uh, right side occlusion. So I think that's a positive. Okay, what would you like to do next? So I will take some radiograph imaging along with um, like CBCT or panoramic. Okay, here's a panoramic actually. Okay. Uh, How would you classify his periodontal disease? Okay. Uh, on the maxilla, given that he has more than 50% uh, bone loss grossly across um, all dentition, I would classify him as chronic uh, with um, generalized periodontal disease. Uh, on the bottom, he has less than 50% bone loss. Uh, so I will say it will be mild to moterate on the bottom. Okay. Top would be severe chronic uh, periodontal disease, but bottom will be uh, moderate. Okay. What if patient says that he only wants to address the teeth that are missing? I will, I will explain to him that uh, his remaining teeth are, are terminally, uh, have very poor prognosis and, uh, and therefore rehabilitating implants for the missing teeth is, is not a very, um, won't give him a long-term uh, long-term satisfactory results. Okay. What is your treatment plan for this patient? For him, assuming the finances is an issue, uh, I'm going to place as, um, 
as many as eight implants on the top and a bottom in order to place him in crown and or bridge um, prosthesis. Okay, what would you do eight implants and how would you place them? So I will create a surgical guide according to where I anticipate the... Uh, I anticipate the final processes be um, in order to be exact with my locations. I will fabricate, um, I'll take an impression of his current dentition and um, and create a surgical guide according to the expected crown, uh, crown uh, locations. Uh, eight, uh, primarily because I'm going to place them in the lateral and the anterior um anterior regions and in the location of uh canine then uh, thereafter that and uh, work my way posteriorly to um first uh, molar occlusion and uh, in my experiences i get better results with uh, prosthesis for anterior implant prosthesis um just the way that I could get P, PF1 prosthesis and not have to worry about like the where the embrasures are going to be. Uh, so uh, and then down in the line, if if the imp got, uh, implants fail and he needs to convert to a different type of prosthesis, he will still have a backup plan as well. Okay. Would you do any bone reduction? No, not since I'm using crown and bridges. Okay. How many appointments will it take and what records would you obtain? The records that I will obtain, I will take in models and how many appointments I will extract all the teeth um, and uh, place implant uh, the same day. Uh, so that will be one visit and then um, I will let them heal uh, and um, prepare the patient based on discussion with prosthodontist for immediate or early loading. Okay. What if you're placing the implant and uh, four out of your eight implants don't have torque of 35? Would you okay. still load them? So in that case, I would um, bury them and um, bury those implants and um, put the patient in an intermittent prosthesis such as a flipper um, or an immediate denture. Uh, and then come back to that in um, four to six months for maxilla and three months for the mandible. What is the total torque you need to load implants immediately? More than 35. Total torque. I don't know what is total torque. But all the implants. Oh, I don't know. Okay. How would you do your conversion for prosthesis? I, I don't do conversion for my prosthesis. I don't know how to, to do a conversion. Okay. What is the minimum interarch distance you need for your prosthesis? For this one, since I'm going to be using most likely a screw retained crown or uh, except for anterior, maybe cement, I'll expect to have uh, eight to nine millimeter vertical height per arch uh, in okay. this case. Okay. Um, you referred this patient. Mm -hmm. I'm showing you a panoramic x-ray. Can you please describe what do you see? See that in this panoramic x-ray, the condyles are seated uh, right on the um, left maxilla. I see a radio-opaque object that um, uh, is indicative 
could be indicative of a dental implant misplaced in the maxillary sinus. Okay. Well, how would you manage this patient? Tell the patients that we'll need to do uh, open a window, codwell window in the left uh, maxilla area in order to retrieve the uh, implant. Okay. Your infection still continues after you do your initial antibiotics. What would you do next? I uh, would refer the patients to ENT for possible um, TES procedure. Okay. Patient goes to ENT and everything's resolved. He says that he wants an implant there. What are your next steps? A, given that the current imaging, I see minimal bone presence, I um, I would have to talk to the patient about bone augmentation in that area prior to implant placement. What other options do you have? Mm, do you have the exact vertical height that's remained on the left posterior maxilla in millimeter? Looks like it's about two to three millimeters. Okay. So in the case that of a two to three millimeter after a patient has recovered from his um, uh, ENT procedure, I will do an um, open window cutwheel uh, sinus lift. Okay. What type of bone graft material would you use and why? I would mix my allograft with xenograft uh, in order to... Um, a bone graft area. I like to use xenograft uh, for two reasons. Uh, one is that it's radio-opaque, so it shows up well uh, in the post-operative. And B, it uh, it stays around uh, a little bit longer. Its resorption, uh, absorption rate is longer than allograft, and I found that to be helpful in regenerating the bone. What if during the sinus lift, your sinus has a perforation of six millimeters? What would you do? I will try to fold the sinus membrane on itself by releasing it from um, the walls. and um, It tears more. What would you do? I'll try to cover it with the collagen membrane. Um, but if, uh, if I can't cover it with the collagen membrane, then I will have to abort the procedure and uh, come back to that after a patient has healed. What kind of antibiotic would you consider after your bone grafting? Augmentin. What bacteria are you concerned about with acute sinusitis and chronic sinusitis? In the case of acute sinusitis, I will be concerned for a strapped uh, pneumonia uh, uh, and um, H. influenza. After you do your bone grafting, how long would you wait for your retreatment, replacement of implant? I would wait uh, five months, and then I would obtain CBCT to evaluate how much uh, bone has been um, deposited. Okay. Patient is unhappy and he wants to sue the dentist. How would you respond to that? You, this dentist is your biggest referral. I would inform the patient that, uh, that any um, complications or mishap during the uh, procedure is possible and um, having an implant in the sinus, although it's rare, it does happen. And um, the fact that we were able to manage him in a timely fashion and prevent any long-term result, uh, it's, it's a very good thing that has happened in his care. So I would discourage him from suing. Okay, good job. <laughs> good. <laughs> that was nerve-wracking.
the thing you did really well overall i think yeah um how would you say this smile line i wasn't it's not high because i can't see the ginger but it's also not it is a low smile line that that actually works to your advantage because you know you can actually do bone reduction and do pink for your ginger if you're doing all on four Mm -hmm. if you're going to do eight implants um that you you can just do the processes against his natural gum line and that's going to give him a nice natural smile as well um Total torque for implants. Uh, you can review the literature on this, uh-huh. but you know, usually 120 newton centimeters is what's quoted. 120, so, even if you're, even if I'm total, putting a bridge. Total torque. Total so, torque for each prosthesis, or or just or if I was putting total it all in four. When you do all in four, the total torque for four implants, with okay. one of them not exceeding, you know, more than 60, but. You know, when you have eight implants and four out of eight are fine, you can still load it. Because loaded with the all on four or loaded with the crown and uh, crown and bridge. You can still load it with your prosthesis. Okay. If four out of eight are good, depending on the locations. But you know, because there is cross arch stabilization, and um, patients are still not supposed to. One of the other questions I could have asked you is, what are the post op instructions you would give to this mm-hmm. patient? And a lot of times they're instructed to, you know, not eat anything yeah. Yeah, yeah. more than mushy foods because they can preload the implants and fail them. So, but listen, in this case, I wanted to do crown and bridges. In that case, then cross arch stability is not, is not, um, what do you mean? Cr- you wanted to do individual crown? For yeah, each yeah, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily for each implant, but I wanted to do like seven to 10 a bridge. And then yeah, so eleven to one bridge, okay. That's being loaded by eight implants. No, 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 no. Seven it's to a, ten by two, imp, like it's gonna be. Are you gonna do 14. little? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other option here with the complication is you can always do a zygoma implant. It may be an overkill, but it's an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. If you don't want to do sinus left again, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of times there's a high risk of failure, you know, once they've gone in and had infection and stuff. For sure. For sure. That's a good idea. Okay. All right. This case, the second case is a little easy, straightforward, Mm -hmm. but we'll go through it for the exercise. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is a 24 year old, otherwise healthy male presents with the referral for extraction of wisdom teeth. Describe what you see. I see panoramic with condyle seated. I'll see four in, uh, full bony impacted uh, wisdom teeth. The one and 16 are vertically impacted. And um, tooth number 17 is horizontally impacted. And tooth number 32 is vertically impacted. What are the classifications for impacted wisdom teeth? We have the winter classification and we have the pale and uh, Gregory classification. Okay, can you describe Pell and Gregory classification? Pell and Gregory classification is based on two uh, two factors. One is the relationship of the crown of the third molar to the second primo second molar. Um, how far if it's at the same level or if it's inferiorly located, and um, the second uh, way of looking at it is its relationship to the ramus. Um, is it anterior to the ramus? Is it halfway or is it behind? I asked the patient if any of these teeth are symptomatic. 
Yes, patient says they hurt. I would I would advise him to remove the two mandible uh, impacted third molars. What about First. the maxillary? Maxillary ones are fully bony impacted. I will observe. He says it causes him pain and pressure on the top too. If it's causing him pain, then of course I will I will advise uh, that he can extract them. But I will um, I'll tell him that he has a high risk of oral enteral facial communication, as I see the the root of those teeth are very close to the lateral wall of the maxillary sinus. Okay, what is in your pre-op consent? I would uh, talk to the patient about the risk of uh, in, inferior alveolar nerve injury, communication to maxillary sinus, mandible fracture, and uh, re- uh, maybe a small part, a small piece of root being left behind, and or necessity to convert to uh, coronectomy if uh, if excessive bone removal would be necessary in order to retrieve the teeth. Okay, would you do this in the local anesthesia or general anesthesia? So I'll let the patient decide, but my recommendation will be um, uh, general anesthesia. Okay. What anesthetic monitors would you use and what is your anesthetic consent? Anesthetic uh, consent will involve a risk of allergy and um, nausea, vomiting, risk of uh, possible uh, intubation and um, aspiration pneumonia. And as far as uh, what uh, what monitors I will use? I will use pulse oximeter, EKG, three lead, especially lead two, um, and then uh, I would use blood pressure. I also CO two capnography, and um, yep, that's the monitors I will use. Okay, which tooth would you take out first? Mm-hmm. What's your sequence? My sequence starts from a top left, and then I go to top right, then I come to lower left, and then lower right. Okay. Can you describe extraction of number 17, please? 17 is a horizontally impacted uh, wisdom tooth. Uh, so I will make a crystal incision um, along the where the tooth number 17 would have been after palpating the ridge with a uh, with the distal release along the external oblique ridge, I'll reflect the f- full mucoperiosteal flap and the full thickness mucoperiosteal flap. I'll make sure I have adequate exposure to the buccal cortex. And then uh, using handpiece under copious normal sailing, uh, chilled normal sailing, I will expose the crown of the tooth um, uh, in in entirety up until CJ is exposed, and then I would section the crown in a buccal lingual direction, and I'll remove the crown, and then I will remove the roots. Okay, you're removing number thirty-two, and the distal comes up first. You get profuse bleed on the mesial. What do I do? What do you do? I would ass- okay, so I will pack. I'll initially put a small a piece of gauze there. And um, I'll pack it, and then I'll wait a few minutes uh, until the I achieve hemostasis. There's still a lot of bleed. So then I would put uh, pack the area with uh, gel foam, and um, and then again put pressure, put my finger there, and then if that fail, I'll try to put avitan. Um, okay, how does gel foam work? Gel foam is a gelatin. Um, it's basically a matrix. It helps a blood clot form because it's a matrix. That's how gel, uh, a gel foam works. 
How does avatine work? Avatine is a collagen. It's broken uh, down collagen. So that helps the platelets to aggregate. Okay. So you get it cleaned out. And uh, as you're taking out tooth fragment, it slips from your view. What do you do? Mm -hmm. So if the root has been um, displaced, in a, typically to the floor of the mouth, I put one finger in in the floor of the mouth, but I'm pushing it up to try to prevent it going lower than uh, mylohyoid uh, muscle. And then I'll suction in the two, in the root socket. What other places could the root have gone to? It could just go to the lingual portion of the cortex. Okay. What are your indications for retrieving versus leaving the root tip? I will see if the tooth had caries or not. Um, if the amount that was left was more than or less than two uh, millimeter, if it's more than two millimeters, I would want to remove it. If the tooth was caries, I would want to remove it. You have symptomatic tooth number 32 that was extracted and your infolabular nerve is noted to be exposed and transected within the socket. Mm -hmm. Here's a picture. Okay. Can you tell me what are the different types of nerve injuries? Nerve injury classification? Yes. Yes, I can uh, talk to you about. So we have Seddon and Sunderland um, classification that could tell us about the, the level of nerve injury. Seddon is neuropraxia, um, axonomatasis, and uh, neurotomatasis. That's one classification for nerve injury. What kind of classification would you classify this injury as? That would be neurotomatasis, which refers to the complete transection of the nerve. Okay. What is the appropriate treatment? After informing the patient, uh, the appropriate treatment is to anastomose uh, the the nerve. Uh, in this case, I'll try to redirect directly connect the nerve ending using a seven O proline um, four four to six uh, circumferential uh, sutures through the epineurium. Okay, what would be your post op instruction for this patient? Post op instructions. Uh, I will inform him that I would expect him to to be completely numb in the area and that healing in that area will be slow over the course of three months or so and we will need to get a regular monitoring okay you're trying to do primary closure but you're unable to get the two ends to come close together what would you do uh then i would use a um, allograph if i have it oxygen i will secure the nerve protector on either side to the nerve ending. And um, given that I anticipate the end gap is minimal, I expect the um, full recovery. Okay. What type of clinical testing would you do postoperatively to see if the patient is improving? I'll do level A, level B, and level C tests. And, you know, level A being asking if he could appreciate a cotton wisp pointing to it uh, when I motion a cotton wisp across his uh, lower lip. Level B being if I just uh, place uh, place uh, the, the soft, uh, he'd be able to say soft 
and then level C will be neuroceptive, uh, so it would be pain or uh, temperature. So I will use a 20 safe gauge needle, and uh, for temperature, I will use um, maybe a warm gutta percha. Okay, you're done. I think you did well overall. You didn't you nailed the classification for wisdom teeth extraction. Mm -hmm. Your treatment plan should always include what you're going to treat and plan for the patient. Mm -hmm. Normally, I don't advise these patients to go under local anesthesia because one, a lot of patients are nervous. They, not a lot of patients can handle these procedures under local anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So if patient's healthy and your assessment shows that, you, you should treat and plan for IV sedation unless okay. patient has some sort of objection to it. But um, that should already be in your treatment plan, you know. Okay. So then the follow-up question could be, okay, what are your monitors? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, since we were not doing anesthesia, we didn't go too deep into that. Mm -hmm. But hemostatic agents, you know, know all of them. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're going to use, know how that works. So that was good. Mm -hmm. A tooth fragment that slips from your view, if it's in mandible, it could be in the lingual. Mm -hmm. Yes, it could also go into the iron canal. Oh, iron that canal, that's other. a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. could be the other place. Yeah. The other complication could be, you know, mandible or fracture. And then yeah. how are you going to repair that? Um, so you're going to have to, you know, if that is your complication, you're going to have to know how to tackle that. Yep. You did good with the indications for leaving or retrieving the roots. Mm-hmm. So you can leave if it's less than two to three millimeters. If it's not infected, it is near major anatomical structures such as infralveal nerve, infratemporal fossa, or mental foramen. And okay. if it's deeply embedded in the bone and it requires more destruction than good, you can leave it behind. If you think about it for coronectomy, we leave entire roots behind. Yeah. And nothing happens. Yep. Stick to any one nerve classification okay. and just describe that. Obviously, the test examiners know what they are. So, mm -hmm. so you need to show them what you know, right? So if you're like, oh, yeah, there are two types of classification, just get one. If you're going to do Sunderland, Sunderland mm -hmm. one is this, Sunderland two is this, whatever. Just go over it, you know. Yeah. And your treatment, you don't have to have these things in your office, but you got to know how to do it, right? Okay. Yep, yep, yep. And the post-op instructions, I think uh, steroids are a good idea. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And uh, vitamin B12 is usually a good idea for oh, these patients. God. And, of course, do not smoke. Mm -hmm. So you can do a primary repair if it's right away. You can do also do a secondary repair mm -hmm. if the patient has traumatic neuroma or scarring. Clinical testing, yes, you know, if you're going to say, I'm going to do level A, B, C, just go over it. Like you're mm -hmm. going to do brush stroke, directional yep. static, two-point discrimination. If they have normal A tests, then terminate clinical neurosensory testing. Thank you for getting out with us. If you like our work, please leave us a five-star review and spread the love by telling everybody about us. Also, we are looking for more help with our podcast from our listeners. If you are interested in writing a topic for us, or helping in any other way, please reach out to us on Insta or Old Max Facts. And just like all our episodes, we are here to discuss good information. This is not a medical advice. 
for your practice. This podcast takes no responsibility for your medical or clinical decision making. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.